Well, this is the first Sunday of the Christmas season. They call it the first Sunday of Advent. And um, Advent, I know you're saying, Pastor, we're a Protestant church. Why are you talking about the Advent themes? I think there's a lot we can learn from Advent. Advent is simply a time of preparing for Jesus' coming. It's a time we celebrate that Jesus came to the earth, and it's a time of preparing our hearts for Christmas, right? And so we're going to preach through these next couple of weeks the Advent themes of hope, love, peace, and joy. And you know, so we got a candle lit over here. That first candle represents hope. How many of you have ever hoped for something? Okay. How many of you have ever hoped for something that didn't come yet? All right. How many of you hope for something you shouldn't have had? All right. I read a story about a lady. She was on a diet. She was trying to watch her weight, and she drove by a bakery, and she really, really wanted a donut. And she said, "All right, I'm just going to pray about this." So she said, "Lord, if there's a parking spot open in front of the bakery, then I know it's your will for me to have this donut." And after the eighth time around the block, there's a spot open. So she said, all right, Lord, thank you. That Anybody ever do that? Yeah. Um, so there's hope. So this, this Sunday, we're going to talk about hope and what hope means. And if you have your Bibles, Jeremiah chapter 33 is where we're going to go. Jeremiah in the Old Testament. So I want to set the stage a little bit for you here. Jeremiah was prophesying in Israel. And he was talking to the Israelites about the fact that they needed to get their acts together. They had been given the promised land. If you remember, when the Israelites came into the promised land, God told them, if you will obey me, if you will keep from worshiping the other gods that the people in this land worship, if you'll keep me first and center in your lives, you'll be what? You'll be blessed. This land is going to be amazing for you. It's going to provide all the crops that you need. You're going to live in safety. You won't be attacked by your neighbors. You're going to have a great life. How many of you know that lasted for a little while, right? <laughs> and then eventually, what did they do? They slipped up. You know, they started, well, you know, we're, we're planting a field, and I know that God is, is God over everything, but, you know, uh, Bobby's girlfriend, her family worships this fertility God, you know, and we could just put in an offering to her and just to help make sure the crops are good, right? And then that kind of slowly crept into them, and eventually they start worshiping other gods. So Jeremiah is prophesying. He's saying, guys, if you don't stop, destruction is coming. And that's what he'd been telling them. Destruction is coming, and it's coming soon. But then in, in I, Jeremiah chapter 33, he, he pauses for a minute, and he gives some hope. And he says this, Jeremiah 33, starting verse 14. He says this, find it here. The days are coming declares the Lord, and what I will fulfill the good promises I made to the people of Israel and Judah. In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called the Lord, our righteous Savior. For this is what the Lord says, David will never fail to have a man sit on the throne of Israel, nor will the, Le the Levitical priests ever fail to have a man stand before me continually to offer burnt offerings, to burn grain offerings, and to present sacrifices. Well, how many of you know that after the destruction, the temple was destroyed, right? So they, the people said, well, how is this going to happen? We don't have a king anymore. We've been exiled. How is this going to happen? And, and the Lord, through Jeremiah, was talking about who? Jesus. So we know now, looking back, that Jesus is the promise of hope. Not only for the nation of Israel, but also for us. So Jeremiah was telling the Israelites, there will be hope despite your past mistakes. No matter how many dumb things you've done, people of Israel, there's still hope. <laughs> Aren't you glad for that? 
No matter how many dumb things we've done in our lives, there's still hope. No matter how many bad decisions we've made, there is still hope. And guys, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to, how many people have sat down with me and said, Rex, I don't know. I don't know that God could ever forgive me for the things I've done. I don't know that God could still forgive me for the things that I've done. And we always say, hey guys, there's always hope. Jesus gives that hope. Sometimes you say, well, I don't know if I can ever forgive myself for the things I've done. And we say, well, if God can forgive, <laughs> then you have to. There's always hope. So he was telling the Israelites, no matter how many bad decisions you've made, no matter how many dumb things you've done, there's still hope. And he said, right now, I know it looks bad. I know that I'm telling you that the destruction is coming, but it'll get better. A lot of us allow our past mistakes to drag us down. We think, I've done too many bad things. God can never save my marriage. I made too many mistakes. God can, God can never straighten my kids up. I made too many mistakes with them. There's always hope. And that hope is Jesus. So there would be hope despite their current circumstances. <clears throat> Jeremiah had been telling them, look, right now you've got to stop. <laughs> you're oppressing your neighbors. You're worshiping other gods. You're doing all kinds of terrible things that we've told you forever not to do. But there's still hope. There was still hope. They were actually, they threw Jeremiah in a, a sister in a well because he was prophesying these things. They didn't want to hear it. So some of us have made some pretty bad decisions in our lives, right? And even though we do that, there's still hope. Some of us have circumstances in our lives that aren't even our own fault. Other people have done things, and there's still hope. Some of you say, well, you know, I... My spouse did this. My parents did this. There's still hope. Jesus gives hope no matter what our current circumstances are. There was a pastor. He got done doing the Christmas Eve services and he plops. He gets home and he sits down and his wife comes and just falls in the recliner. And she said, I am so tired. He said, I've conducted five services the last two days. I preached five different messages. Why are you tired? And she said, I had to listen to every one of those. <laughs> Sometimes circumstances aren't your own fault, right? But Jesus still gives hope. No matter what your circumstances are right now, I want you to know that there is hope. There is hope. I know I've talked to people and they say, you know, you don't, you don't see where my marriage is right now. There's, there's no hope left for my marriage. There's no hope left for my family. There's still hope. So Jeremiah said, you know, I know you're in a bad spot right now, but there's hope coming. And that hope we know now was Jesus. So there would be hope despite the mistakes they had made. There's hope despite their current circumstances. And he says there's hope despite the impending judgment. There's judgment coming, but he said even past that, good will come. And he said there's going to be a sprout, a righteous branch that comes out. And so he'd been telling people the hard times are coming, but he said good times are also going to be here. Matthew Henry in his commentary on Jeremiah said, It's promised that the people who are long in sorrow will again be filled with joy. The people along in sorrow would still be filled with joy. And so, guys, I just want to tell you today, Christmas season is, you know, when we're kids, it's almost this magical time, right? You know, I, would, I was the worst. I would shake presents all the time. Like my parents finally started hiding my presents before Christmas because I kind of stopped. I would know everything I had. But it was this great time because it was all about what? Hope, right? And I knew as a kid, no matter how bad my family situation was, and it was pretty bad, Christmas would always be a better time because family came in, you know, and they wouldn't fight in front of family or whatever. 
And grandparents always spoiled us as kids. And that was always kind of a hope. But sometimes as adults, we get a little jaded, don't we? Especially if you work retail. You get real jaded around Christmas time. Um, but I want us to get back that wonder and that it's all about Jesus. It's all about the hope that he gives. And so Advent, when we talk about hope, we're not just talking about Jesus was the hope for Israel. Jesus is the fulfillment of that hope for us. Jesus is the one who gives us hope today. You know, if you look around in our country, it can be pretty, <laughs> pretty hopeless, right? Sometimes. But Jesus is that hope. He fulfilled that hope uh, for us. Jesus fulfilled an ancient hope. He'd been prophesied for generations. Just in the book of Jeremiah, there's countless prophecies of Jesus. And Jeremiah called them all different kinds of things. The spring of living water, a good shepherd, a righteous branch, a redeemer, the Lord of righteousness, the agent of a new covenant. So all throughout the Old Testament, we see Jesus was prophesied. And when Jesus came, he fulfilled all that hope of those generations. There's a guy who wrote a book. His name is Peter Stoner. He wrote a book called Science Speaks. He calculated the chance of any one man fulfilling all the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled down to the present time. Want to take a guess? One and ten to the 17th power. That's ten with 17 zeros behind it. Of one man fulfilling all the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. So he said to, to kind of make that, I know it's a huge number, to make that a little more physical, he said this. To visually comprehend the staggering odds of this probability, Stoner proposed that we take the, that many silver dollars, that 1 to the 10 to the 17th power, and lay them across the state of Texas. How big is Texas? It's big, right? It's huge. Um, in doing so, we'd find they would stack up across the state of Texas two feet deep if you took all those silver dollars. But there's more. Now mark one of the silver dollars and stir up the entire mass of coins. Then blindfold a volunteer and tell him he can travel as far as he likes across Texas. But he has to pick out that marked silver dollar. <laughs> That's the odds of one man fulfilling all the prophecies that Jesus did. And guess what? He did it. Because Jesus is the one that we waited for all that time, right? That's why God made such a big deal about him being born. So I threw this great party with shepherds and angels and sheep, right? Can't have a party without sheep. Um, yeah, you can. So Jesus fulfilled ancient hopes. But Jesus, guys, is our hope for today. Jesus is the one that we put our hope in today. And I know some of you are saying, Pastor, you have no idea how bad my situation is right now. <laughs> you have no idea how messed up my family is. You, know how, you don't know how bad my boss is at work. You don't know how bad my coworkers are. You know what my house looks like. You know what my checkbook looks like. I can tell you, Jesus is our hope for today. He's the one that we can turn to. Listen to what Psalm 33:16 says. The best equipped warrior cannot save a king, nor is great strength enough to save a warrior. Don't count on your war horse to give you victory. For all its strength, it can't save you. But the Lord watches over those who fear him, those who rely on his unfailing love. He rescues them from death and keeps them alive in times of famine. We put our hope in the Lord. He is our help and our shield. You know who wrote that? King David. Did David know a little bit about battle? Absolutely. So he's saying this. All the things we look for to give us hope can't do it. But Jesus can. And I know some of you are saying, man, I, Pastor, I don't know what direction I'm supposed to go. I don't, 
I don't know how I'm going to do this. Jesus is the one that gives hope. He's our current hope. When God's in the picture, there's never a lack of hope. And you know, sometimes He can, he can use different things to bring us through situations, right? God works in weird ways sometimes. But He's the one that brings us through. He's the one that gives us hope. He's the one that never, ever fails. And so sometimes, you know, we think, well, you know, I wish He would do things a little bit different. He knows. He's our current hope. Isaiah 49, 23 says, Then you'll know that I am the Lord. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 19 to 26. He says, I remember my afflictions and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I remember them well. My soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. The one who seeks him is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Jeremiah wrote that after Jerusalem fell. After the nation of Israel fell. After they had been exiled. He wrote that. He's the same one that said, hey, look, there is coming hope. (laughs) Then he looks back and says, he's still our hope. So I just want to give you a little bit of hope this morning. No matter how bad your situation may look, there is always hope in Christ. If he can fulfill all those prophecies in one man, if he can defeat death, he can handle whatever your situation is, whatever my situation is. He can do that. Psalm 147.10 says, His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor is his delight in the legs of the warrior. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. So, and you say, well, what's the big deal about hope? When we have hope, we know that better days are coming, right? And hope can kind of help us move on to peace and to joy and to strength. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you can overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So when I start having hope again, when I start looking at my circumstances and saying, yeah, I know this looks bad, but I know God is in control. I know he'll handle that. It starts to bring this peace that's not based on outward situations. It's based on knowing that he's in control. See, joy and sometimes happiness are external, but knowledge that Jesus is with us, that gives us that peace. So he's our, our current hope. But then Jesus is also our future hope. He's our future hope. That means that I can trust that he knows what he's doing. I'm getting some blank, thank you. I'm getting some blank stares. Sometimes it feels like life's a little out of control, doesn't it? But if I know that Jesus is in control, I don't have to worry about that. I can trust that everything works according to his plan. And so sometimes we look at situations and say, I, I, I just don't know. I, I don't know if he knows what he's doing. I don't know. I know I, know. I know I don't know what I'm doing, so I really hope he knows what he's doing, right? So we have to learn to trust him to bring us through the process. And that's not always easy. I know some of you know me. No, I'm not really mechanically inclined. It's not really my thing. Um, I try, but I'm not always great at it. So I know when I was younger, when I was a teenager, I would try to fix something. I have to call my stepdad in to help put it back together the right way. 
Um, and I always knew that he would kind of have an idea. Even if he didn't know what he was doing, he always acted like he knew what he was doing. And he would tell me, I have no idea. We can, we'll figure it out together. That always helped, having someone else there to share the, the responsibility, right? They, well, if I broke it, I could say, well, he helped me break it. Um, but he was really good at that. But God's not like that. Listen to what he says in Romans chapter 8, verses 18 and 28. He says, I consider that our present sufferings, our present problems, present circumstances, are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Did you catch that? Our present circumstances, our present sufferings, the stuff we're going through right now, is not even worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Did you catch that? What I'm going through right now can't even compare with the goodness that I'll have down the road in Christ, with the glory that will be revealed in us. Then listen to what else he says in verse 28. We know that in, what is that? All things. Would you say that with me? We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What does all things mean? Everything, right? Does everything mean good? Yes. Does everything mean bad? Yes. Does everything mean comfortable? Yeah. Does everything mean uncomfortable? Yes. So that means that no matter what circumstances we're in right now, we have hope down the road because we know that someday we're going to be with Christ. And he says that the suffering that I'm going through right now doesn't even compare with what will be. You know what that's called? Hope. That means that no matter how bad things may look right now at home, no matter how bad things might look at work, no matter how bad things in our bodies feel right now, no matter how sorrowful we might be, down the road things will get better. That's hope. We trust that in everything will work out according to his plan. And then we understand that we have hope beyond this life. 2 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 16 through 18, Paul says this. Therefore, all the stuff that's going on in his life, therefore, we don't lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away. You ever feel like that in the morning sometimes? My body's kind of falling apart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. So Paul says, even though right now we go through stuff, even though right now we go through hardships, even though right now we may not see it, we understand that down the road, things will get better. The stuff I do now is temporary, but the reward at the end of the road is eternal. And so I know you're saying, well, this is supposed to be a Christmas message. It's supposed to be uplifting. <laughs> it is, if we can look down the road. So I know right now, things may not be great, but down the road, they will be. One commentator says, the more we focus on the blessings and glory of the life to come, the less burdensome our current problems will seem by comparison. In other words, the more I look down the road, the better it'll be. The more I realize that this isn't all there is, the better off we'll be. So we know that down the road there is hope. And so this is what Jeremiah was trying to say to the Israelites in Jeremiah chapter 33. He was saying, yeah, look, right now, bad times are coming because of what we've done, because of choices we've made, but there is hope for our nation then we can look back and say, now we see that that hope for that nation 
was Jesus. He's one that the Israelites have been waiting generations on. But not just them, but for us. Because our hope today is in Jesus. When I can't handle what's going on, I can turn to him and he gives, he gives me strength. When I can't handle what's happening, I turn to him and he gives me hope. When I don't understand why things are happening, I can look to him and say, Lord, I know, I don't get it, I don't understand, but I know that you do. And that gives me hope. I know that right now I'm, I'm having temporary problems, but I know that down the road, things will get better. Right? And you know, this is why people love these Hallmark Christmas movies. Even though they all have the exact same plot. <laughs> they just change seasons. Why do people watch them every year? Because they give you what? Hope, right? You know that in the end it's going to work out. The dog finds an owner. The woman finds a husband. The guy finds a girl. They bring balance to each other, right? It's amazing. I think Michaela's already watched like five before Thanksgiving. My daughter loves those things. And my wife loves them. But they're good, right? Because they give us hope. Yeah. <laughs> so... They give hope, right? So we do these things because they help us. So Jesus is our current hope, but Jesus is also what we call our blessed hope. Our blessed hope. This is actually one of our foundational truths of our fellowship. We believe that Jesus is coming back. And that's the hope that carries us through. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope. Did you catch that? If you underline your Bibles, that's something you ought to underline. Our living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Jesus is our living hope because no matter how bad this world gets, and I'm telling you, it's going to get worse before it gets better, Right? No matter how bad that is, Jesus is our living hope because we know someday he's coming back. And whether we die first or whether we go on the ground first, he's coming back. And the scripture says we'll meet him in the air. We'll be there with him. Our hope at Christmas time is not based on gifts or food or movies or decorations or carols or family. Our hope today is on the fact that Jesus came into this earth and he died on the cross for our sins. And not only died, but he rose again. And someday he's coming back. So we have the same hope that Jeremiah said here to the Israelites. Someday he's coming. He's been here now. Someday he's coming back again. I read this great story that I want to close with this morning. It was a Sunday morning in a little small church in the south. And the new pastor called one of his older deacons to lead in the opening prayer. So the deacon stands up and he prays this. He says, Lord, I hate buttermilk. Pastor kind of opened one eye. I was like, where is he going with this? And then he says, Lord, I hate lard. By this time, the pastor's thinking, oh man, this is going to get bad, right? The deacon said, Lord, I ain't too crazy about plain flour either. But after you mix them all together and bake them in a hot oven, I really love biscuits. <laughs> then he paused and said, Lord, help us to realize that when life gets hard, when things come up that we don't like, Whenever we don't understand what you're doing, we need to wait and see what you're making. After you get through mixing and baking, it'll probably be something even better than biscuits. Amen. There's a lot of truth in that. We don't always like our circumstances. We don't always like what's happening. 
but we trust in the God who's in control. A God that can bring order from chaos, a God that can bring hope from dark, a God that brings life from death. So we trust him. So this morning, as we talk about hope, I'm going to pray that God will stir up some hope in us. I'm going to ask the worship team if they could come up this morning. If you're physically able, would you stand this morning? So we're going to take a couple minutes and pray, and we're going to prepare our hearts for what Jesus wants to do in us. And so today I'm really praying that God is going to stir up hope in us. So, Lord, all around this room, Lord, I know there are a lot of different situations represented here. Lord, there's some in this room that to say that we don't even know how you can forgive our past mistakes. We don't know how you can redeem the things that we've done. There are some of us that are here that are saying, Lord, I just don't understand what's going on in my family. Lord, I don't understand what's going on in my body physically. I don't understand what's going on at work, at school. But Lord, I know that this morning we can all trust in your goodness. We can all have hope because you're in control. We can all have hope because we trust that you know what you're doing. And we see that all throughout history, everything pointed towards Christ coming at Christmas time. And all history now points back to the cross and the new covenant that you made. And we're all in eager expectation of when you're coming back a second time. Take us to be with you. Lord, right now, while we're in this in-between time, while we're waiting, Lord, I pray that you would stir up hope in our hearts today. Lord, that you would bring hope of better days, that you'd bring hope of eternity, that you'd bring hope that you're in control no matter how bad situations may look. So all around this room, Lord, would you speak to our hearts individually and stir up hope for whatever needs to be stirred up today. So if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I really don't have a relationship with Christ like you were talking about. If I was to be honest, I would say I'm, I'm pretty far from God this Christmas, but I want to make that right. Would you slip your hand up right where you're at? We want to pray with you this morning. All right, if you're here this morning, say, you know, Pastor, I just need hope. I just got circumstances that are happening right now, and I just really need God to provide hope. That you would just slip your hand up right where you're at. I just need hope. We're going to take some time this morning. We're going to pray. If you want to come up to the front and have someone meet you up here and pray with you, we would love for you to slip out and come up and do that. If you want to pray in your seat, you can do that. But we're just going to take some time and say, Lord, would you stir up hope? So, Father, all around this room, I pray for those that raise their hands. Lord, I don't know all the circumstances, but you do. And God, I pray that this morning you would stir up hope in our hearts. Or if it's hope for forgiveness of things in the past, whether it's hope for current circumstances or hope for the future, Father, would you bring hope to our hearts this morning? How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain.